This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Steph Lavalato and Jonathan Pham speak with Joe Sandberg, co-founder of Aspiration. This conversation was recorded in March 2021. My name is Steph Lavalato, and I'm here with my colleague Jonathan Pham, a fellow student of the Bard MBA in Sustainability Program, and we are thrilled to welcome Joe Sandberg to the Impact Report podcast, who is the co-founder of Aspiration. Aspiration is an online financial company that serves people at the heart of their financial lives, their banking accounts, and it operates in a trust-based model that empowers people to choose whatever fee they think is fair even zero, and enables up to bank, invest, and spend in accordance with their values. So great to meet you, Joe, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. One thing we, we didn't share earlier was um, that Jonathan is actually a customer of Aspiration and is um, an avid promoter of your services to the Bard community. So you have him to thank for a few customers. Um, thank you. But, but as we stated before, we're, we're super excited to talk to you about Aspiration and what you guys are working on. And to get us started, um, can you share with us a bit about what led you to create Aspiration? I created Aspiration with my co-founder, Andre Cherney, because I wanted to, to build tools for people to have agency over their futures. And at a moment in time, when we look around and see so much in the world that's in disrepair, and we see how government institutions and business institutions and media institutions, religious institutions, really every institution falling short of their duty of care to fix the world around us. People want to take matters into their own hands, but they don't, they don't have the tools to do so and their lives are busy. So Andre and I weighed how we could deliver people tools to have positive social impact throughout their lives and take matters into their own hands in repairing the world. And when you want to deliver new actions to people, the best way is to find a path that's automated and connects those activities to things they're already doing. So as we pondered the best tools, we realized the daily financial products that people use to receive their payroll, to buy their groceries, to operate in a modern economy are great ways to deliver automated social impact features and um, are convenient. And so that's what prompted us to build something that at the surface might seem like a financial institution, which delivers banking services and investing services, and, and soon is going to be launching um, the first ever uh, carbon neutral credit card that makes every purchase you do on your credit card carbon neutral. But really, the mission is about delivering the automated social impact features and the financial products are the delivery vessels for that, that social impact automation. That's great. Um, the The concept of tying impact to everyday actions um, certainly resonates with with me and, and the rest of the Bard community. Um, and we'll come back to that uh, carbon neutral credit card. That sounds awesome. Um, but can you talk about um, a bit more of your existing services that you offer today? Aspiration offers what is called the spend and save account, which can function as a place where you get your payroll, direct deposit, has a debit card that allows you to plant a tree with every transaction you make on your debit card by applying the spare change of 
your transactions to planting a tree. It's part of Aspiration software called Plant Your Change. And it comes with a tree tracker that shows you the carbon reduction that results from buying your everyday goods and services on your Aspiration card. Aspiration offers um, a save folder in that spend and save account, which allows you to earn interest in your savings. Um, Aspiration offers a premium subscription program called Aspiration Plus, which um, delivers you a recycled ocean plastic card and um, a program that tracks the carbon footprint of the gasoline you buy and automatically makes that gasoline carbon neutral on your Aspiration Plus card. Aspiration will deliver um, it has life insurance, um, renters insurance, um, homeowners insurance, and um, as I mentioned, soon is, is delivering the credit card. Um, Aspiration also offers retirement accounts in an IRA structure and in a traditional structure too. Thank you for all of that. I'm <laughs> I subscribe to all of those those services. Um, Thank you. One thing that I've been kind of curious about is your the, your Redwood Fund, and I'd love to hear more about it. And can you speak to how it was, um, how and why it was funded? Yeah, thanks for asking that, John. The Aspiration Redwood Fund is a mutual fund that only can be bought at aspiration.com. And it's a mutual fund that invests in equities, big cap equities primarily in the U.S. stock market that adhere to the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, SASB, factors of sustainability, and doesn't invest in companies that are fossil fuel companies, gun companies, or prison companies. The motivation is to give people um, a mutual fund that can advance their progress towards their retirement goals in a way that minimizes any violation of their own values in the investing process, which is why the fund doesn't invest in fossil fuel, guns, or prison companies, and then proactively invests in companies that best adhere to the um, Sustainable Accounting Standard Board's factors. And okay. it's something you can buy with just $10. Um, and you, can, you know, anyone's able to buy it. Um, you can buy it at aspiration.com. Very interesting. How has it performed against the broader market? It's performed well. Um, you know, the performance figures are all publicly available. Uh, anyone listening can look it up with the ticker R-E-D-W-X, R-E-D-W-X. And um, everything there is, is publicly available. Very cool. I, I made a switch from a big bank to Aspiration because I wanted to align my money with kind of my values. And I see Aspiration as a leader, but how do you view, view yourself as a leader in the industry? Me personally? I guess well, you I, or the company. Well, I think that um, the company's vision is is a product of the collaboration of of me and, and my co-founder Andre Attorney, and um, it fits within to my values as a person. You know, I've believed since a young age that we're created as humans to do everything we can in our lives to help others. That's our mission and purpose as, as human beings: is to do everything we can. With the tools that each of us have, those tools are different and the ways we serve others differ, but um, that's our fundamental purpose um, in our lives is to help others. And the way I'm trying to help others is by giving people the tools to align their values and their financial services through my support of aspiration. And then in my volunteer life, I work hard to reach people that 
are tackling some of the hardest challenges of poverty. I built an organization that serves about 3 million low-income Californians a year. It's called Golden State Opportunity. It's run by a remarkable leader named Amy Everett. I founded Golden State Opportunity six years ago to advocate for policies that help low-income Californians. The problem that we face in fighting poverty is that low-income people don't have lobbyists. And so I've tried to be the lobbyist for poor people and advocate for them in state capitals and at the federal level so that what we face as a nation right now, which is a moment when eight out of 10 people live paycheck to paycheck. And in my view, that that's a poverty crisis. There's no middle class when eight out of 10 people are living on a knife's edge of financial ruin, that we can move out of that as quickly as possible. There's no prosperous future. There's certainly no just future where eight out of 10 Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And that's a crisis that disproportionately affects women and people of color. And it's a crisis that, again, in my view, hasn't been rectified because there isn't a set of moneyed interests that are fighting for the interests of low and middle income people. And what I've tried to do in my volunteer life is, is to be the advocate of those who have no voice. And that's very, very inspiring. And I'm, I applaud you for that work. And I'm sure to 2020 really exasperated that. And I'm curious if you might give your opinion on how the conversations around inequalities, around wealth, healthcare, and wages has shifted in, since the pandemic. Well, I think that what we've seen is a continuation of the problems for the last 40 years, and that's an explosion in wealth inequality. And a society where people are working longer and harder for less. Let's take the minimum wage, for example. If the minimum wage had grown at the rate of productivity since 1960, it would be $23 today. But of course, it's only $7.25. So when we're seeing the fight for a $15 minimum wage fall short, we're falling short of the compromise position. For decades, working people have been trading cards in a political game. And the contribution I hope to make in my volunteer life is to end that political card game that treats working people as widgets instead of a collection of human beings whose lives are under enormous and mounting pressure by society that thinks of them as less than. Following up that, your your response about kind of how the pandemic has shifted this discussion and and the the impact on wages. Can you speak to your vision for you know what uh, you call the good economy and where we're moving today? Thanks. Well, the good economy is my vision of an economy where people and organizations are making choices that are at the intersection of the functional needs they have in a modern economy and what's going to optimize that which is good for people and that which is good for the planet. And it's an economy where money is moving in accordance with optimizing what's good for people and the planet, that preferences are moving in alignment with what's good for people and planet and new brands and organizations emerge to facilitate the demand by tens and tens of millions of people. And I think eventually hundreds of millions of people 
that we can operate in a modern economy in ways that not only stop exploiting people on the planet, but that lift up people on the planet. And I think this is going to be driven by we the people. It's going to be driven by more people who decide, I don't want my money while I'm asleep being used to fund fossil fuel. I don't want my investments that I worked hard to fund helping build private prisons that perpetuate institutionalized racism. I don't want the money that I earned from my payroll and deposited in my bank to be funding gun companies that are weaponizing domestic white supremacist terrorists who are killing our kids. I think it's gonna be that grassroots demand up that then will meet the entrepreneurship of companies like Aspiration to serve that demand that will ultimately change the way that our economy functions. And I think we're in the early but very real innings of that change. You see it with the conversation about ESG. You see it in the demand by young consumers to patronize brands that are doing right by people and planet, to patronize brands that are doing the right thing by racial justice. And I think this next chapter is about ensuring that that's not in rhetoric only, but it's in substance. That this isn't about good washing, it's about substantive choices that are different than in the past because people are demanding goods and services that no longer exploit people and planet, rather lift them up. Mm -hmm. And we certainly are, are learning and following all these trends that you're talking about in, in our MBA program. And I'm, I'm curious if you think there is a role for aspiration or, or you know, those leading this movement to, to help bring in those that are not part of that growing demand, you know, that there's populations of consumers that are either unaware or, or don't make this a priority or older generations that, that say, you know, this isn't for me, but to help move that needle faster in the right direction. Um, you know, does Aspiration try to appeal to, to customers that are, are less focused on impact in that regard? Well, the biggest opportunity that we have to move the needle is around awareness. The challenge isn't convincing people who are unconvinced about the importance of these factors. The challenge is making people aware of the existence of these factors. For example, when we ask people, do you know what your money in your bank account is doing while you're asleep? Very few people know the answer. But when you educate them that if your money is deposited with one of the big banks, it's likely that it's being used to fund fossil fuel companies that are creating the climate crisis or private prison companies that are perpetuating systematic racism or gun companies that are weaponizing white supremacists. When people learn that, a supermajority of them want to get their money out of places that are using it to violate their values. So the much, much bigger hurdle we have is one of education and awareness as opposed to persuasion. If, if tomorrow we could flip a switch and everyone would know what their money is doing while they're asleep, overnight would create a good economy that would defund all these terrible activities because a supermajority of people don't want their money funding these activities. Mm -hmm. However, almost all of the people who don't want their money funding these activities don't know that their money is in fact funding these activities. I know that was a mouthful, but it, it 
captures the challenge we have, which is one of awareness more so than one of persuasion. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And uh, in the meantime, I'll be looking for that that switch to flip. To, to yeah, if you, if you find <laughs> it, please tell me where it is. Um, so um, kind of speaking of awareness and what you guys are, are up to next, we'd love to hear more about that, um, the carbon neutral credit card that you mentioned earlier and any other you know, innovations that you're working on. The carbon neutral credit card is part of this vision that if you can deliver a financial product for someone that works just as well on a functional basis and does the right thing by planet and people, then most people are going to choose that. And that's what this credit card does. It's a credit card that has you know, a moderate interest rate and all the regular features of a credit card that you'd expect. And it makes every purchase that you make on it carbon neutral by planting trees in accordance with how much you spend on the credit card. So it gives you the peace of mind of knowing that when you buy the goods and services you need to live life in a modern economy, that those goods and services aren't going to create a carbon footprint. And I, I think when people have the choice between a credit card that doesn't do that and a credit card that does make your purchases carbon neutral by planting trees, and everything else is pretty comparable. If, if anything, I think the aspiration credit card will be superior in the other uh, factors, but let's just suppose it was all equal, yet this makes your purchases carbon neutral. I think a lot of people are gonna adopt it. I mean, isn't that the dream come true? It's do well, do good. That's what we all want, right? Definitely for, for this crowd that you're talking to. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious if you're able to speak to um, how you're, you're sourcing your partnerships for the tree planting initiatives to help um, the, the carbon neutrality impacts that you're, you're offering with this credit card and, and, and your other um, you know, services. How do you vet your well, partners like, for that? Like everything Aspiration does, transparency is a foremost priority. So anyone who's interested in learning more about Aspiration's reforestation initiative can read at plantyourchange.com, everything you could possibly want to know. Aspiration has a powerful coalition of groups that include Eden Reforestation and Arbor Day Foundation, as well as others that are working in uh, tropical Africa and tropical South America to plant trees. Um, you know, Aspiration has secured uh, an inventory of 5 billion trees that the Aspiration community intends to plant over the next decade. I hope that we're going to plant, in fact, many, many multiples and maybe even an order of magnitude more than that over the next 10 decades, over the next decade, but, but certainly at least that. That's great. That's one of the things that we are often debating in our program is, you know, the, the best um, methods and, and sources of, of helping um, of particularly reforestation and, and tree planting, making sure that those, you know, carbon credits or carbon in initiatives are actually um, additive and, and meaningful. And so we, we certainly um, trust Aspiration to, to be skeptical of the same questions and, and choosing the right partners. And, and we look forward to, to what, what you'll do next. Oh, stay tuned. We have a lot even beyond this. Um... I'll get in trouble if I say too much more. <laughs> Are there any other products or services that you might want our listeners to be weary of? And are there any other projects that you might be working on? 
Yeah, thanks for asking that. There's there's a feature called the aspiration impact measurement that I also think will resonate with your listeners. The aspiration impact measurement is like um, a personal Fitbit for your social impact. Imagine you use your aspiration card at a merchant like CVS. Then in the aspiration app, you'll see a people score and a planet score for how CVS treats its workers, which is its people score, and how it treats the planet, the environment, which is its planet score. Then what's even cooler is you can see the compare and contrast between CVS and um, Walgreens or Rite Aid or I imagine other merchants in that network um, to make it easy for you to choose the merchant that most aligns with your values. And it returns to this point of delivering automation. If you give people the ability to choose in alignment with their values at their fingertips, then a lot of people are gonna engage. And that's, I think, been what's missing. It's not been a desire to do what's good. It's been the ability to do what's good in a Very, very good. Um, another question that we've been thinking about is, as the baking industry is under pressure to shift towards more Paris-aligned and net-zero carbon practices, how will aspiration continue to differentiate itself? There's just a whole host of financial services that you're going to see from aspiration that are made unique by the attachment of automated social impact features that make them green. So let your imagination wander to all the different financial products that people utilize. Imagine how you could make those financial products green and imagine that one of these days you're going to see that from aspiration. I can only imagine now. Um... <laughs> One thing that I, to kind of finish this, is how can listeners learn more? How can we push more listeners to flip that switch? Well, first of all, I wouldn't be a good entrepreneur if I didn't ask point blank, move your bank account to Aspiration. Aspiration.com. If you have any questions, my direct messages are open on Twitter. Um, I'm happy to give you the voluntary VIP concierge tour of all things aspiration. Um, it's the unofficial tour, um, but I'll, I'll do it in a volunteer capacity. I think though that what you'll find at aspiration.com will speak for itself. So before you go, I, I have a question. I was really um, struck by your statement that poor people don't have lobbyists. Yes. Um, and I think it's really moving actually. Um, especially now because people feel even more, many people feel even more powerless than they may have felt before. Yes. So I'm just wondering for people that are kind of in the middle, like most people, um, middle class, middle of the road, how can we agitate to make it more than like an army of one or whoever's in your crew that's doing this work, um, wherever you may live to ensure that poor people do have a voice because if poor people are lifted up, then it automatically lifts up all of us. So I'm wondering, you know, what advice in that regard um, you may have for listeners and for us? The most important advice is vote and especially vote in local elections. City council elections, state legislative elections have outsized impacts on the financial outcomes of low-income Americans but experience disproportionately less participation by voters. And that's where all of our individual influences can be most pronounced in advocating to city councils and to state legislatures about policies that are gonna help low-income people live with more financial security. 
there's not a, a single answer I wish there were. It took 50 plus years to get into this mess where working people have been suppressed, their economic rights have been suppressed. We talk a lot about voter suppression that leaders like Stacey Abrams have been fighting to rectify. And we have another issue of suppression and that is economic suppression. And it's gonna take us many decades to fix that suppression. Elections matter hugely and that we mount pressure on our elected officials to follow through on their promises also matter. Um, you know, we elected a president and a Senate, in particular two senators from Georgia on the promise of a $15 minimum wage. And, and we need to hold to account the elected officials who were elected on those promises. And if they don't deliver on those promises, then we need to find new elected officials. It's a very messy future we have ahead in fighting for political change. And I think what I have to ask people to do is please engage in that. If you don't engage in it, you're leaving those political outcomes to someone else. Well, you, you might have made a new customer out of me. So <laughs> I hope so. I've been I've been banking with a, a small local bank in my hometown, and it's tough to leave those those guys. But they they don't have all these uh, automated impact metrics that you are preaching. So you you are much better salesman than me. Um, <laughs> but I definitely want to thank you for this interview. It's been. It's been wonderful to, to learn more about Aspiration, and I've been a fan for, for years now, and hopefully we can get more Bardians to, to switch. Indeed. Thank you very much. Reach out anytime, okay? Yes. We appreciate our loyal Impact Report listeners and hope you can help us spread the word about the series and the important sustainability work of our guests. Please rate and review the Impact Report wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you were inspired by this conversation, share a screenshot to your Instagram account and tag Impact Report Podcast. Learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode by visiting aspiration.com. episode of the Impact Report on Friday, October 29th. We'll be speaking with Robert Passon, Chief Wagon Officer of Radio Flyer. Interested in learning how you can launch a high-impact, purpose-driven career in sustainability? Check out the resources page from the Bard Graduate Programs in Sustainability for access to free resources to jumpstart your career in sustainability. Hear from leaders in the fields of climate change, consulting, impact finance, fashion, circular economy, and more about how they launched their careers and the tips they have for you to join their industry. Visit gps.bard.edu resources today.